I've been able to become a advocate, not just for women in Bahrain, but for women here in, in the UAE and just people in general, you know. I'm Courtney Brandt, and you're listening to CSR of One on Amaya FM. We hope you're enjoying the season so far and would love to hear how you're using your social media to help others. Give us a shout on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Just search for CSR of One. Women's safety, especially in terms of dangerous domestic situations, continues to be a talking point around the world. And on today's episode, we sit down with Georgie Bradley at Brambles in Barsha Heights, the alliteration was unintentional, I promise, to talk about her involvement with a path-breaking organization that handles crisis response for women out of Bahrain. Crisis response is providing emotional support and informational support for victims of domestic violence and sexual violence. It's a very nuanced and specific service. It's not quite ER, it's not quite... Um, long-term therapy. It's a kind of buffer between the two. So you help a victim out between the time of the incidents and longer-term therapies. Now, I had no idea that I would ever get involved in something like this. It was never something that was in the cards for me. The Women's Crisis Care International, or WCCI, was started by Mary Justine, MJ, as Georgie calls her, as part of her ongoing philanthropic work, which also includes her involvement with the International Rescue Committee. Having moved to Bahrain after marriage in 2015, MJ set up the WCCI in the country, now offering crisis response in both English and Arabic through a network of volunteers. And what kicked it off for Georgie was a chance meeting with MJ. We actually met under very different circumstances. I'm in the media and we were at a roundtable event and she was there representing a different organization. But we got to chatting about separate issues and topics and we kind of joined forces as like-minded people and became thick friends and then over time I got to know what she is involved with and then over lunch she said I'm training up advocates to become crisis counsellors for women victims of domestic and sexual violence are you interested now that sounded very heavy to me and I thought that's going to be a lot more than I can handle you know biting off more than I can chew and then she said look just try if you want, if you're interested in getting educated in this area of life, because I had no idea, you know, it, it's a very, um, it can be quite a dark topic, but it can also be incredibly enlightening because it's on human dynamics, right? And then I trained up and started taking shifts and became a lot more involved in community awareness and public outreach and engagement. And my role grew and grew and eventually I became a kind of program assistant and um, I did some workshops, I used to give speeches and um, uh, kind of raising the, the profile of the organization. Really fascinating because I got to interact with people on a cultural level and have an, a conversation which very much doesn't happen, you know, and there was quite a bit of backlash, you know. I was put on the spot and, and um, caught out a number of times because it involves looking at a country from a less than favorable perspective. And so obviously defences can go up, but what we were trying to do was educate and bring awareness to something that exists across the world. It's not pinpointing one single country because it's, I mean, statistically, one in three women across the world, across the world will be victims of domestic and sexual violence. Those are some harsh numbers. And all the more reason why cases like this shouldn't be swept under the rug. 
We absolutely need more of these organizations across our region because they can have a truly positive impact. There was one survivor who I had helped who I didn't keep in touch with. She was similar to me in age. So that really struck a chord because I could really put myself in her situation. And a year later, she signed up to become an advocate. Now, we oftentimes say be careful because it can be very triggering unless you are 100%, I don't want to say over it, but unless you have the, the correct coping mechanisms and ways of dealing with it and able to park it and use it for the greater good of helping others, that's absolutely fine. And she came and she shone like a, a star. She was amazing. And it was just incredible to see that come full circle. But also on top of that, what I loved about WCCI was being able to take it on a more regional stroke international level. Uh, Mary Justine was summoned to carry out a workshop in Kuwait and they reached out to her to carry out some workshops on domestic and sexual violence just as a way to impart information and educate young activists in Kuwait and she asked me to be her right-hand woman and I went with her and carried out some workshops to young students and we involved and incorporated theatre as a means to provide and uh, communicate that positive messaging and it was incredible I was there for 10 days I learned so much and I was still in my full-time job I mean I literally took it off as annual leave because it was so important to me and I learned a lot about Kuwait and the relationship between Kuwait and Bahrain and you know what kind of uh, information is out there what isn't out there and how much work there is to be done and how much work has already been done it was fascinating I loved it when we return the tough realities of crisis response, and how you can get involved. Stay with us. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know about this other show we've been doing. It's an Amaya FM original called Tales of the Trade, where we feature Dubai's entrepreneurs and pioneers and the stories behind the ideas that they've brought to life. You can find out more, check out our episodes, and even subscribe in this very player, or you can look us up on the web by visiting talesofthe.trade. Welcome back. You're listening to CSR of One with Georgie Bradley. An interesting theme that came out as we spoke to Georgie was how WCCI and its team focus on enabling and guiding, clearly distinguishing how to support women versus telling them what to do. A distinction that Georgie believes is key to helping women going through domestic crisis. Crisis counseling and response is very different and nuanced. Like I said, it's that buffer between the event, the incident, and then longer term therapies. We provide the emotional and informational support. So a typical situation might be I get a call, a woman has come in, maybe not with a battered eye or head, you know, this is not just on a physical, it can be psychological, it can be emotional, it can even be technological, do you know what I mean? That it, 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 it does um, cut across so many different sort of verticals in life. And I'll go to the hospital, I'll sit with her and say, tell me what you would like to to do moving forward. I mean, this, this is after perhaps calming her down and providing her a hand to hold. Sometimes the simplest act of care can go such a long way, like giving a hand to hold or just saying, you didn't deserve this. 
you know, re-empowering her. And the whole point is to not tell her what to do. It's to help guide her towards what she wants to do. And I say she because we work only with women. We would love to work with men, but we're not there yet. Because in America, MJ worked between men and women because it cuts across both genders. And, uh, but obviously we've had to kind of adapt to, cult, to the cultural context of where we are and be sensitive to the kind of segregation of society here. And so I would tell her, look, what is your main goal? What would you like to do? Because most oftentimes women cannot just leave off the bat because it's incredibly dangerous. There are a lot more um, consequences at stake than you might think. And at the end of the day, she knows the perpetrator best. As much as we come in with our theoretical knowledge on the dynamics of sexual and domestic violence, well, we help guide her to make small, little goals to achieve incrementally to get to the big goal. And that can take years. Maybe first locally and then expanding regionally. How best do others get involved? If maybe they want to be an advocate or if they just want to be a part of the bigger kind of actions which need to take place you know in this space of violence against women i think there are enough workshops and public seminars that discuss this on on some level here at least in terms of women empowerment you know it's all the right messaging it might not be specific to domestic violence because obviously this is a taboo subject and there's only so far you can you can only go so far with it but i think if you have the right mindset and the right approach and want to be a good person, you can embody the, the key tenets of being an advocate anywhere in the world. So would you say that your background, did you come, anybody could be trained up as an advocate? Anybody, whatever background, whatever educational um, uh, background you've come from, anybody, that's the thing. It didn't exclude people of different um, various degrees or experience in said field. It's very non-denominational so even without training um, so you could go you could have official training you could just go in your community and go to events that are do you know what i do i youtube everything if i ever want to reinstill myself with positive messaging and just more information and different perspectives i will ted talk it i will search for workshops online and seminars and just learn from what other people in the world are doing because although the unifying idea is to provide a kind of care and and be open and kind of kind and, and emotional and, empath and empathetic. You can see it played out across so many different cultures and, you know, just listen and, and learn from the ideas that people are putting out there. I always YouTube, always. Okay. I, for me, YouTube is such an educational tool. Um, were there any, or are there any annual or upcoming events um, with WCCI? Um, did you do any annual kind of uh, events on the calendar to reach out to the community or was it just an ongoing kind of um, chapter? Yeah, I mean, there were always ways to bring that messaging forward. We organized quite a few fundraisers and we we organized yoga days. So bringing together wellness and a darker subject. I am very fortunate. I'm in a loving, committed relationship. Um, so how do people find out? Because obviously, because it's so taboo, especially where we are, um, how do women 
find out about these services? How are they made available to, how do we know that door's open, that I can call somebody, an advocate can come? How do, how do we know? Well, in Bahrain, their social media strategy is on overdrive. They do such a great job. I mean, there's, there's no issue of it being invisible or lack of um, publicity. It's very much in the newspapers. Every time that there's a big event, the, the local newspapers across English and Arabic, because, oh, that's the other thing, it's available in Arabic as well. Yeah, and that's a recent venture for them. So she, so MJ has got the right people on board to, to take that forward because she's not an Arabic speaker, but she has the kind of the different cohorts from the English and Arabic side working symbiotically to provide the service in both languages in equal measure with the same level of empathy and, and compassion. Obviously, there are certain nuances between the two. That's more on a cultural level. But in terms of the public awareness, it's very much in the public's conscience. People know about it. And because it's the first and only crisis response service, not only in Bahrain, but in the region, it really does stand out. What we did a couple of years ago when we first started out, we did a club crawl, meaning we went from one club to another in maybe the more seedy parts of town, and we stuck flyers on the back of toilet doors. So really, really organic kind of getting in. I mean, of course, some of them, they were torn down by management, but I actually went back to a club, um, not because I wanted to hang out there, but because I wanted to see if it had some staying power. And I kid you not, the sticker for 24-7 crisis response for WCCI was still stuck behind one of the toilet doors. Yeah, it was so incredible. So if we kind of look to the future, um, you know, in a perfect world, would you see these kind of crisis centers exist everywhere in the region? I hope so. I can only imagine that this is a force for good right now. And it, it's kind of trickling from the down up, if that makes sense, as opposed to the top down. People on a higher level are be, yeah, they are being educated. They are being brought to light about it. And I think that can only be a good thing. I think there are enough people in this region who are like-minded in that way to want to do good and bring that forward it just takes a little bit of time it mj always says it's like moving a mountain it really is because you have to educate and re-educate and you know what habits they take and and just mentalities they take a long time to unlearn and then relearn because it i mean they say a habit takes 66 days to unlearn or form but when you know when you're talking about a cultural phenomenon that is no mean feat Georgie leaves little doubt that similar support groups for women and men should be available everywhere in our region and in the world at large. The Women's Crisis Care International seems like a step in the right direction. If you're interested in learning more about WCCI, please visit womenscci.org, which has support in English and Arabic. This episode was hosted by me, Courtney Brandt, and produced by Chirag Desai. You can find out more information about the show by visiting our website, amaya.fm slash CSR of one, and also follow us on Instagram. Until next week, remember to be nice out there on social media. Think about sharing something for someone else. Goodbye and take care.
<laughs> yeah. Because yeah, initially we, our idea was, well, like, well, let's find a place where we can tap. Yeah. Yeah. And then really we have to make every single one we're doing in a different cafe. So now I just want to do like all eight, eight different cafes. Yeah. Yeah, and I can usually, well, I haven't hooked us up as much, but we've we found some little people of like, because it, we, I can't remember who it was, but someone, we were like, where do you want to meet? She was like, anywhere. We're like, Dubai's a really big city. Just pick up, just give it. So I was like, oh, I have an invite here. She was like, oh, that's really far. We're like, it's fine. Yeah, just tell us where to go. Yeah, yeah. so when you said uh, TCOM, I was like, boom, done. I know it. Yeah. So apparently he's super out over there. They'll close. She will. Yeah, it, we can at least we can cut. We she was like, you can close it. Like we can close it halfway. Yeah, yeah. Just ask. Yeah, I don't know if we can close it all the way because we they need to still be a business. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't have no concerns about it not being here because it is. It, People, I, it's almost another conversation to start. The, why is it so difficult here? Women's Crisis Care International in Bahrain. And over lunch one day, she said, I'm going to be training up loads of advocates, potential advocates, this weekend. Sorry, <clears throat> this weekend. And we are looking for extra people to sign up. I said, this sounds like a lot more to me than I could possibly imagine, you know, biting off a lot more than I can chew. And she said, well, why don't you come train up and sign up for a few shifts because it operates on a 24-7 basis, seven days a week. And I trained up. I learned a lot about the dynamics of sexual and domestic violence. And I could kind of apply it to a relationship that I was going through at that time. So it made me a lot more aware of the characteristics of my relationship and what was wrong with it. And it brought a lot of information and positive messaging into my life. Um, it sounds like there would be a bit of a, an emotional um, component to that. So how often 100%. do advocates um, kind of uh, do a shift or what were your expectations? So you don't have to do many a month. Our requirement was at least a one 24-hour shift a month. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, well, because the emotional tax that that being available for that does sound sure. like something well for example i was signed up for a 12-hour shift and then a 24-hour shift and i actually wanted to do way more because i was really pumped i learned a lot of information i found it super educational and it and it just made me feel really empowered and mj mary justine she's the founder she said to me hold up you know it's not as exciting in the in the kind of adrenaline sense as you think. It's it's helping for sure, but you have to be aware of burnout because even if you don't get a call during your shift, you are on and it's very triggering. And I do recall that. And we say that the best way to start off is ease into it. Do one 12-hour shift, do 24 hours um, later on. And you have the phone because it, it's um, over telephone advocacy and in-person hospital advocacy with an official partner in Bahrain with um, a, a hospital called American Mission. And they have several branches across the island. So 
that's pretty much how it works. And if you get a call, you provide the advocacy over the phone or in person, and then you kind of pass the baton on with the phone or in the hospital. That's it. So where did um, um, MJ, where did she kind of, where was her impetus to start this? Because I can see it, it would be necessary around the globe. Um, and here it, you might have some pushback uh, because we might not want to talk about things that happen, but obviously do happen. So how did she, how did, when did she start and when did you kind of come into the project? She has been involved in humanitarian work her whole life. She's a philanthropist at the very core and she set up WCCI over, I want to say, 10 years ago. Okay, what does that stand for? Women's Crisis Care International. And she set it up in New York. She used to work for the International Rescue Committee. She's been working across Africa. Um, I think she's, she's been in China as well. She's done, she's really spread herself out across the world with her work. And then due to personal circumstances, she moved to Bahrain. She got married and she decided to set it up in Bahrain in 2015. And we became friends on a kind of sub kind of different circumstances and again like I said over lunch she said and I already knew what she did but I wasn't involved in anything I mean we were very much just friends outside of that space yeah and she said I'm going to be training up advocates do you want to get involved and I thought oh my goodness very big ask you know like really biting off more than I can chew and then
Unfortunately, I can't do that because my job is 24-7 as it is here and I'm not able to carry that work out. But I think the work that I picked up and the information and the education that was instilled in me, I've been able to become a everyday advocate for, for not just women, but for people.
Do you know what it is? MJ has always had this issue being that she's a white American. And obviously the first line of defense is, well, what do you know about our culture? Actually, she knows a lot. She's married to an Arab. So that's number one. Uh, Number two is it's seen as a private problem. And because family name and shame is at stake, it's very much avoided. And I would say that's true across most cultures. On a case-by-case basis, it can vary. But here, I think, generally speaking, it's swept under the carpet. Or it doesn't exist. We actually held an event in Bahrain where we sold a lot of artwork that was done by one of the advocates for charity. And I was behind the booth selling the the, the, the artwork, yeah, the merchandise. And this one guy passes by and he was looking at the, the setup and the stall. And he, we obviously had our um, promotional um, material there as well for WCCI. And he looked at it and said, what is this? I said, da, 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 this is what we do. And he goes, and he was Bahraini, he said, oh, no, 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 this, this kind of stuff exists in Saudi Arabia, not in Bahrain. And then he just walked off. So, you know, there's a lot of um, it's us, it's, it's them, not us at stake as well in the kind of the narrative. So, so I guess like, knowing that like things came out recently, like UAE is one of the safest, if not the safest place to live in the world. And I totally believe yeah, that. And I do. But on, a, it, on a security level, for sure. On a security level, yes. But I think when you kind of evolve into this higher level of the population, mm-hmm. you have to look at all parts of the population. So even the parts you don't want to look at, even the parts that you think aren't there, they're yeah. there and they need support. Yeah. And so, yes, pat on the back to the UAE. However, yeah. I'd love to see them say, let's open a crisis center because... Yeah.
so I volunteer and I work with a canine rescue organization and yeah, almost every day is not a good day. You know what I mean? As in like the stuff I have to see and the stuff that comes across, like, yes, I post pictures of puppies and it's wonderful. But the reality is that somebody's surrendering a, a dog they've had for eight years and that dog is now like gone back to the kennel and it breaks your heart. Like every Sunday I'm like, got to get pumped up to get beat down a little bit um but so does your work take place in a hospital are you a liaison there or is it in a, in a private residence is does it does it kind of range so wcci has an official partnership with a hospital which has several branches across bahrain it's called the american mission hospital and we also provide telephone advocacy as well so it's 24 7 across a physical setup and on the phone yeah So that's amazing that they were for, or MJ was, you know, uh, inspiring enough, I would assume, to say, I want to help your population. This is the service I can provide. Give us a chance. Yeah. Um, but good on her, because I'm sure even having that initial conversation would have been a difficult one to just say, let's have a meeting about X. And it's not just one conversation, as you can imagine. It's many meeting lots of different people, getting the right people on her side. And she's done an incredible <laughs> job. And I don't, I'm not just saying that because she's a friend of mine and she's incredibly um, so smart and, and has her heart in the right place for humanity. But it's not an easy thing to do. She's an expat. She's you know, for an all intents, yeah. an outsider, yeah, exactly. For all intents and purposes, she is not one of the people, but really, she is. <laughs> um, well, that's incredible, and I think we need more people like changing or being available for a country. Uh, you know, having a service that's available for the women and eventually one day, you know, the men of an entire country. That's so inspiring. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And I wish I could do it more here, but obviously, work takes me away from that focus. But at the same time, I still use and talk about the skills that I've amassed through WCCI because I did it for two and a half years and it really changed my life because it changed my perspective. And that's the thing, you confront so many subconscious biases. You know, you might think that you are um, incredibly open and have the right mindset, but really you have a lot of blind spots. I can only imagine, yes. And that's okay. We don't say, okay, you have, a, you have that blind spot, that's treacherous, get out. No, no, no. We talk about how you can rise above it as opposed to act on it. You know, leave it at the door, be aware of it, but move on. Because that's the thing. The, the range and breadth of people that we have helped vary so widely. I mean, look at where we are here. There are so many nationalities. So inevitably, you will come across people who come from a background that you can't even relate to, not one bit, but what binds you is that em empathic quality and that want to help another human being, you know? So you have to be able to kind of work through cultural differences to help, you know? Just because you come from a very different background should not affect your empathic capacity to help.
In fact, we did have a few um, victims call us from the UAE. That's how far our reach got. Because, I mean, everyone who was posting on social media, we've got people who are, you know, people are friends with, it's like inter-gulf inter relationships, right? We did have a few people call us out from, from the UAE. Yeah. Yeah. If there's no other resource out there. Situations here where they were like, I need somebody. Like, because when you're in that state, then you. Yeah. And when you only find there's only one number, I can see that. I know, and when when these are actual, of course, real emergencies, you need somebody then, and you can't go to the ER and expect to find the person with the training that will hold your hand. I was about to say, so nurses and doctors, as trained as they are, their line of questioning, their their way of support is different you know and that's why we step in the emotional exactly yeah. we actually tr i've actually trained nurses and doctors at these hospitals that we have partnered up with at um in barring with wcci so that they can recognize the signs and symptoms so that they can call us mm -hmm. when they see a patient who might bear the signs and characteristics of someone who is not going through a good time because you know it's not it's that's the thing, it's not clear cut it's not a bruise on the eye it's it's um, when, when patients come, they might have stories that seem a little bit disjointed and something doesn't quite measure up. And it's not to put them on the spot and, and suggest that they are lying, but it's trying to um, go deeper into it and see there's a problem here. What's the problem? Let's help. Yeah, the medical professional can treat, obviously, the body. Sure. Exactly. So they, the, the medical side of things, they look at it from an anatomical. They, they heal the body. We heal the mind. So, on, so once maybe an emergency or a crisis has passed, then an advocate would be the one to continue to work with one person, or is it a one-to-one -one basis, or how do? Because I would assume the the support would go be for months. The support goes for as far and as long as the victim stroke survivor wants. We never, we never suggest that they need to keep calling us because that would be disempowering. It would be telling the victim what to do when in fact we want them to make decisions for themselves because the reason why they are in this situation that they're in is because they have been bullied and told what to do by the perpetrator. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to just say I'm delighted uh, to hear from you, to hear about this organization, to know that it's out there, to know that there's support like this, to know that there's training for advocates who want to have it. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. So fascinating to talk about it. I just wanted to do a, an end out, just in case, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's the side of it which I'm not totally involved with, but um, MJ's had a few grants given to her from the States. She, yeah, she's applied for grants, and very recently, while I've not been in Barring, because I've been away for a, a year and a half now, um, fundraising through... Um, uh, chari um, sort of charitable um, endeavors and events in Bahrain and I think she set up a membership system now again I'm not part of it anymore so I don't know because I was around when it was still on its kind of grassroots level it's expanded a lot in Bahrain now but yeah through grants and a and fundraiser schemes yeah. yeah, and, and even, even if it's, it's volunteer, volunteer, there's still training, you need space, yeah, you need literature. Yeah. yeah, and especially if it's, you're doing it in a licensed format, your partnership with, with hospitals, and you have to make sure that you keep coming back. Yeah, I think, I think she's made, she's made a lot of sacrifices, not least uh, financially. Yeah. yeah. So.
and it, it, not even to put a price on her time, which would have, at this point, would be, yeah, considerable. And, and, and the others are going to give their time in this space because I think we think of volunteering and altruism, you know, like, oh, I'm going to feel so good when it's done. Yeah. And I think that the act of advocacy for others, especially women that are in a very difficult space, mm -hmm. you're not going to get that same, oh, I cleaned up a beach, you know, like it's, it's going sure. to impact you on a very, very different level. Oh, I had burnout at one point because during the summer, a lot of people leave, you know, that mass exodus. And I was in the summer. Um, I think it was in 2016 and, and I said don't worry I will hold the phone for a full week and be on hospital duty and by the end of it I said I need a month off I can't I can't anymore because although I only got maybe two or three calls being on and anticipating a, a world of case scenarios it, it freaked me out you know can I do I have the capacity to help will I be emotionally and physically adept yeah and not wanting to let anyone down because these exactly. people are in such a sensitive place sure and, and you know what as much as we can't solve the world's worth of problems for them they expect that you know when you're so overwhelmed you know i often used to get asked what would you do in that situation and that's the hardest question to answer because i can't tell the victim what to do you know but, but they, they put, put all, all their trust and faith in you because they are depleted on every level. So they want someone to tell them what to do just to remove themselves immediately from that pain. But unfortunately, it takes a lot more strategy than that. Yeah, of course. I mean, we do um, crisis management. So beyond the initial meetup in the hospital or on the phone, um, we ask, would you like to follow up through crisis management? And we have a kind of crisis manager who will go through different steps. So it doesn't have to be, how can I stop my husband from, from beating me? It can be, okay, my goal is to be financially independent. So then that is a step forward to getting myself out of the situation because a victim might have all her money withheld from her by her husband, boyfriend, partner, intimate partner. Um, and she wants to get a job. So we work on a CV. Honestly, it's incredibly small steps, but they are so incremental to getting to where they want to be. So we help on a, you know, we can help with a CV. Next, a job interview. After that, they got the job. Amazing. How are we going to put money aside? Is there a different account that we can set up? So we help on a logistical level very much so. Exactly. Yeah, and especially with minority groups who are really not aware with, of, of their own rights. You know, we've had women maids come in a lot who are being abused by their sponsors. It's very harrowing, actually. And they are, they, they, next to the fact that they speak very little English, they have very little knowledge on their, on their status in the country and where they stand and what rights are available to them and what they can, what they can do. So we empower them by giving them the knowledge of here's where you can go for this. This is what you can do now. And we're there to support them and to guide them. Is 
terms of obviously like a lot of this stuff is very intense and mm. uh, training and everything else, but something that you came across and it could have been just the kind of person that you, you didn't expect. So you just mentioned me, that's why I thought of it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would have definitely thought of them. Yeah. I think there's a lot of abuse. Yeah. But, but they, they would know to come to you and that they would feel that, again, crossing financial, uh, economic, um, being a, yeah. a minority, as you said, that, yeah. that they felt that door was open to them. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, because within that pool of advocates, we have women from all over the world. So in terms of the language, you know, we can, we operate in over 70 languages, at least in terms of putting out that message and, and being able to talk about it. Maybe we don't, we don't provide it beyond Arabic and English, but when there are victims who call in who only speak Malayalam or only speak um, Tagalog or whatever the language is, we have advocates on hand who can step in and provide the service in the local language that's required. So it's excellent. So we can reach down to every, every no kind of aspect. Exactly. Place that, yes, because we know, as you said, it cuts across everyone. Every single woman is this could happen in her lifetime, yeah. Um, and as you said, one out of three, um, and it doesn't matter what language you speak, it doesn't matter your socioeconomic background, it it literally exactly, exactly, yeah. And I had to confront my own cultural biases as well. You know, there was a lady who called in, she was from, from the UK, and I thought, oh my goodness, really, wow. And she wasn't um, abused by a local, which again, that was my cultural bias. I thought, oh, it must be a, a local, and that was terrible. I mean, I really had to catch myself out. He was, he was a fellow Brit, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know what, yeah, it exists, of course it does. Mm-hmm. Just because we're not in Britain doesn't mean that it doesn't exist you know outside of Britain no and you know? support wouldn't be needed yeah 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 because like I said victims can be from anywhere from all social economical standings yeah yeah honor killings hmm yeah I I I would love to see 10 years from now, you know, things that even just it's recognized in some yeah. federal level. Like I said, like, it's, it's not, it's not against the law here. There's no law. <laughs> I think it needs, that's what I'm hoping this podcast might generate. Yeah. Maybe perhaps as well on when I say our side, I think. I would, yeah. 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 Because there's, I think no, they're not unaware of it at all. In fact, socially, culturally, it's very much frowned upon. But you need the right legislation in place. In Bahrain, domestic violence was outlawed in August 2015. Which seems and current, but at the same time, they're probably one of the only ones in the GCC that actually has it on the books. Yeah. 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 But that's, that blows my mind that in 2015, that's when it was like, oh, yeah, we should probably do that and, and make it illegal to... As you said, it's step by step, and you can't change a country unless you start from just... The grassroots yeah. level. Um, but I, it, that, it gives me a lot of joy and optimism to know that in the Gulf that this can be done, it has been done, um, that it continues to be done. Um, so at least we have an example to say, look at this. Um, this is the blueprint. Yes, yeah. this is, look, look, you know, look what they've learned, look how they've done this. Um, there's just... 
I feel like we're in a country that's gifted with a lot of resources, financially, otherwise, space mm -hmm. to even have, you know, a center or something like that. So to me, it's like, why hasn't this been done yet? Yeah. yeah. Inshallah, it will happen. I do believe that it will happen because you've got enough people with the right mindset and resources and tools to bring it forward. I really do think we, so. We do. We there is a culture here of helping your neighbor and helping yeah. other people, um, but helping those that are the most in need, that's when you look at a culture or a population and say, right, when you, when you look to those who can't help themselves, yeah. that's, the, that's what a real kind of evolved mm. um, country looks, in my opinion, of course. We're already seeing, although you know how it is, these conversations get sucked like crazy. We're seeing a lot of women-focused conversations happening. Yeah. It's happening at conference levels, I get it, but like it's happening. So I think it's a natural progression. Eventually it's going to be like, well, if we're going to talk about injustice, we have to then now address this problem too mm -hmm. at some stage. Yeah. But it won't happen as openly as... But the, I think the thing is also, as, as you mentioned, it's like ground up as opposed to top down. Yeah. It, it's frustrating because it takes longer, but yeah. it happens better. As I think it, some ruler coming up. I think it's more organic yeah. when it happens from the ground yeah. up. Yeah, because there's time that's taken rather than just waving a magic wand because you're in a position of power. I guess, I think it's more, yeah. Yeah. Even though you may have a lot of passion for this passion for this, and then you start running into this, then it's all like, what's the word I want Then it becomes a lot more show. Sure. And as opposed to real help. Yeah. When you guys are doing this, you're like, okay, well, I want to be an advocate. Yeah, yeah. It's about your advocacy and the way you go through it as opposed to me hiring Ken train, like Ken Adam and say, mm. go for the training and come and sit and manage Yeah, like you were called, I mean, you were asked to do it and then at some point you would have had to have a conversation with yourself to say, I yeah. am doing this, I yeah. want to be a part of this because yeah. it's not easy, it is a challenge, but there are rewards. I, for me, yeah. honestly, it was educating myself. I've always been open-minded and very empowered by my parents, by the people around me. But at the same time, this is a very specific subject which comes with a lot of myths which have been debunked for me along the way. And I'm so grateful for it because not only has it made me aware of this specific part of um, humanity, but it's, it's helped me be a much more open and culturally conscious person across the board mm -hmm. yeah. it's it's allowed me to be more sensitive yeah yeah i could definitely see that yeah i think it is too yeah now we'll, now we will cut it down